Ephesians chapter 2. For those of you that are first time uh, here at Red Cross, we've been going through a series, just a small series. We've been in the book of Acts since January 2020. And uh, we took a break at Acts 15. It's a good stopping point. We're, we're, we're halfway through with the book of Acts. Man. And, um, but I felt for Easter, we'd take a five-week series and we would look at what is the gospel. Now, my goal is, is that this should not make any other series look different. Every series that we look at, every sermon we preach, the goal is to preach the text and point it to the cross, point it to the, to the atoning work of Jesus. We point it to why this matters. And so the what is the gospel is not the only time that we're preaching what the gospel is. Every Sunday morning, I, at least I hope, and I've got guys in here who will tell me if it's not, but at least I hope our Sunday morning services point to the gospel through every sermon. Um, why is it that you need to hear the gospel every week? Well, because you forget it. I forget it. We hear it on Sunday morning. We're, we're reminded of the goodness and the grace and the love and the mercy of God. But then middle of the week, we're already forgetting about it because we're trying to earn our way to heaven or we're trying to uh, please God by thinking that if we don't read our Bible, he's going to be mad at us. I mean, we, we tend to forget what the gospel is. And so that's why we're doing this. Last week, we looked at the holiness and the wrath of God. We have to have the bad news in order for the gospel to be good news. Why was the gospel necessary? Because we deserve God's wrath. But the greatest revealing of God's wrath was on the cross of Jesus Christ. Where God poured out his wrath on sin. That's what we see on the cross. God poured out his wrath on his son so that we may be saved. The substitute, the, that, 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 what, what, what Leto was saying earlier, that, 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 that substitutionary work, Christ was on the cross in your place. Today we're looking at the sinfulness of man. This is important. We need to see, we need to see why we are deserving of God's wrath. We saw last week we are deserving of it because of His holiness. This week we're seeing we deserve it because of our sin. I know, buddy. I know. I forgot to mention earlier, we got children in the sanctuary. And let me tell you, it has been a blessing. We were, uh, we were back here singing just a second ago. I was playing the uh, drums and... Uh, we, we, we got a few people, and I love it. They raise their hands in worship, but I saw one little girl up here near the front start raising her hand. It's just, it's, it's, it, they're, they're watching you. These children are watching you. Parents, your kids are watching you. They're watching you as you have your Bible open, listening to the sermon. They're, they're, they're listening to me, hopefully, because the majority of them in here are probably heathens, and they need the gospel anyway. 
They're children, guys. <laughs> they need Jesus, right? My two boys do. So if, if they get squirmy, if they get loud, it's okay. It's a blessing. I'll get louder, okay? All right. If you got a problem, the nursery's back there. All right. I like that. I'm going to start using that more often. Ephesians 2. If you're there, say word. Let's stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Ephesians 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work. All right, that's a challenge, man. (laughs) The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature, hear it, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. And this is one of the most powerful passages in regards to your grace and goodness, but also in regards to our sin. God, help us this morning as we look at it. Help us to be reminded of your goodness and your grace. Help us to be reminded of our own depravity. That we are in need. Because that's just, that's just what shows grace to be so beautiful. So God help us, we pray. In your son's precious name, we ask. Amen. Y'all can be seated. We live in a broken world, do we not? We live in a broken, broken world. We live in a world that is full of racism a world that is full of sin, a world that is full of destruction, a world that is full of selfishness and pride and greed. We live in a world um, that is full of a, a hunger for self. We want to build our kingdom. We want our way, our rule. We want to be gods of our own World. We live in a world of suffering and dying. We live in a world of sickness. We live in a world of pain. It's a broken world. Romans tells us that all of creation is groaning. It's in pain because of what has happened to this world. 
Last week we started out the sermon by looking at Genesis 1 through 3. We saw the fall of humanity. Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything was created perfect and good and in perfect fellowship with God. Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. Man dwelled with God. God dwelled with man. And then the serpent, crafty, wicked thing, shows up and starts tempting Eve. And then Eve sees the fruit, the one commandment they were given not to do, the one negative commandment, do not eat of the fruit of this tree. She saw it as a delight to her eyes. She took and ate, and then she passed it to her husband, who was too much of a coward to say anything. And he ate. Then what happened? The fall of humanity. Sin has come into the world. We are no longer in fellowship with God. God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. Church, that's what's wrong with our world today. Our world is broken because of sin. We have sickness and suffering because of sin. We have death and destruction and hatred because of sin. We live in a broken world. But what is it that makes it broken? It's you and me. Our sin. And our, our hope is that one day our Lord and Savior is going to come back and make all things new. The main idea I want to get across to you this morning is this. Apart from the work of Christ, people are without hope. Apart from the work of Christ, people are without hope. There is no hope for us apart from Jesus. That's what Paul's trying to get at here in Ephesians 2. He is reminding the people, the church in, in, in Ephesus. He's reminding them. He, this is past tense. He's talking to people who have been redeemed. People who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. Church, before we come to know Jesus, you are dead in your sins. You guys have seen roadkill, right? Does it move? Some of y'all nodded. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it's dead, okay? It doesn't move. It's died. It's lifeless. When we, when we see the word dead, we're not seeing it as dying or we're not, we're not seeing it as somebody who's in the deep end of the ocean waving their arms out, save me. They're dead in their sin. No, that's not what they, they're at the bottom already drowned, dead in their sin, lifeless, unable to do anything to save themselves. There is no waving your arms and screaming out, save me. The Bible tells us you are lifeless 
Are you physically alive? Absolutely. But spiritually, you are dead. Dead. Dead in your sin. Apart from the work of Christ, people are without hope. Number one, people are hopeless in sin. Number one, we are hopeless in sin. Paul says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a universal thing here. Everyone. Every single person is hopeless in their sin. Because first, they're dead in it. Can't do anything. Can't breathe. Can't scream. You can't ask for help. But why is that? Because people love darkness rather than light. John 1. They love their sin. Sin feels good for a time. That's why we struggle with it. We like it. I like chocolate. Chocolate does not last in my house. And I want to say something. Somebody left a box of Easter Bunny uh, cupcakes. I know who it is on my desk. Those things are not going to last in my house. They won't. They probably won't even make it home because I got two little kids up there who will eat the entire box. Because we like it. It feels good. I, I, I like it. Our sin, we like it. Because it feels good. But only for a time. Church, we are hopeless in our sin. We have, we have disobeyed. We have rejected a holy and righteous God because we have found something that we think pleases us more. And guys, this is this is straight from birth. It's not it's not that you were born good and then as soon as you made that first sinful act, you're now a sinner. No, you're born a sinner. That's why you sin. Can I say that? Yes. Answer my own question. You sin because you are a sinner. And apart from Christ, you are dead in your sin. Paul tells us, you are dead in your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Paul is being so blunt to say, hey, you who do not follow Christ, you who are still dead in your sin, you're following Satan. Even if you don't even know it. 
Because anybody who is an enemy of God is a friend of Satan. We talked about this when we looked at the book of John. There's this misconception. Everybody that is born is a child of God. We're all children of God. Pump the brakes. We're not. Either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Only those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are children of God. Paul's telling us, you followed the course of this world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Too many people, they don't want to give up what they have here. I was sharing the gospel with a guy in the coffee shop a couple weeks back, and he told me that, 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 that he believes that when he dies, there's nothing. And I told him, I said, man, I said, that's a sad life to live. To realize that when, when we die, there's, there's nothing. He's like, well, that just makes me feel like this. We need to make the best of the life we have. And I was like, this is what you want to be the best? You do realize we're in a pandemic, right? You do realize that people are suffering and dying, right? If this is what you want to be the best, if this world is what you want to be the best, this is your heaven. I think it was C.S. Lewis that once said, heaven, I mean, earth is the closest thing to heaven that any unbeliever will get. And earth is the closest thing to hell that any believer would get. Church, this world offers us nothing. This world offers us nothing but struggle and pain. This world offers us nothing but death. But Paul tells us, apart from Christ, it's the course of this world we're following. Because we think this is, this is the best we can have. I don't want this. If this is the best we can have, I don't want this. Because it's, it's getting harder. It's getting harder to live in a world where you see people you love who are just withering away. It's getting harder to live in a world that is suffering. This world, <laughs> I, I've talked to sheriff's deputies. I've talked to chaplains. Do you know how bad the drug problem is in Stanley County? The young people that are ODing. Because they find more pleasure in that. Do you, do you know how bad, do you know how bad the DSS situation is in Stanley County? Because children don't have a home because their parents are covered in drugs.
Sometimes in ministry, you see the darkness of people. You see what people are struggling with, what they're dying of. But yet they can't get rid of it because that's what they want. And they're killing the people around them. We are hopeless in our sin. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is, this is what Satan wants. Satan wants to see families tore apart. Satan wants to see your life in love with some type of pleasure that is not God. Church, we are hopeless in our sin. All of us. Paul tells us in verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We are all, every one of us, sinful. Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. In verse 18, some it all up by saying there is no fear of God before their eyes. I shared the gospel with a guy one time and he told me, he said, he said, only God can judge me. You've seen that meme, right? Only God can judge me. And at the bottom, that should terrify you. You are hopeless in your sin. Your good works are not doing a thing. In fact, your good works are only offending God more. Let's pray. We're done. No, that wouldn't be good, right? Where's the hope at? Number one, we're hopeless in our sin, but number two, we're hopeful in a Savior. Hopeful in a Savior. God sees us hopeless in our sin. We see all throughout the Old Testament, we see these sacrifices that are made to appease God so that, so that the people of Israel can have their relationship with God and so that the people of Israel can have the land that God's blessed them with. Okay, But the thing is, is those sacrifices were not to cover the sin that gets them to heaven. Those sacrifices were only meant to cover to where God would stay their God and protect them from outside forces and to give them that land. 
So there has to be a perfect sacrifice to pay the atonement. Your sin needs to be paid for. Verse 4, but God. He did not leave us in our sin. He looked on us with compassion. And he looked on us with mercy and grace and love. But God, he looked at you and me. And he grabbed our hearts, crushed the heart of stone, gave us a heart of flesh, new desires, desires to not follow the course of this world, but to follow him. Church, but God. I mean, these, these are the two most powerful words in this Bible. But God. God who could have left us in our sin because we deserve his wrath and judgment. God who could have left us to our own destruction because we deserve the judgment. We deserve hell. Your sin is what's sending you there. Your rebellion, your rejection of God, your lack of fear in God is what sends you to hell. But God, but God looked on me, a wretched human being, I did nothing to deserve God's mercy. There's nothing I've done in my life to ever deserve what God's done for me. I deserve the very depths of hell. If you knew my sin, church, if you knew my rebellion, if you knew what I've struggled with in my life, We are hopeful in a Savior. But God. But God. (laughs) But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. He Put his loving hand on you in the middle of your rebellion and rejection of God. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God for if while we were enemies enemies 
While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Church, we are hopeless in our sin. Your good works will not get you into heaven. This life is not heaven. This world is not heaven. This world is hell. Can I, can I say that for you, believer? For you, believer, this world is the closest thing to hell you'll ever get. I watched my favorite person yesterday. be looked at by ambulance and EMS workers because we thought she was about to pass. I, I, I wasn't going to share this. I, I, I just, But it's because of sin within this world that we, we have diseases like Alzheimer's. And cancer. We have diseases that are ripping people away from us a lot faster than we wanted to. But church, there is, there is no greater disease than our sin. And there is no greater remedy than the gospel. Romans 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is no having to pay a payment. There is no having to work off your sin. There is no paying God back. You cannot pay God back. In fact, every ounce of work you do you get more and more in debt with God because it takes his grace to even empower you to do that. But let me tell you, we are hopeless in our sin, but we are hopeful in a Savior. Christ came and died and took the sin on the cross for us. And he endured hell on that cross for us so that we may be saved. The gospel is offered to all people. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel message is we are to proclaim it to all people. But the only people that are going to be saved, the only people whose atonement is covered, the only people who you're going to see in heaven are those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So can I ask you this morning, church, for those of you that are here, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you recognized the depravity of your sin, the depth of your sin? Have you recognized that apart from Christ, you have no hope? Because of Christ... 
because of what he's done, there will be one day, one day when there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more pain. All will be made new and we will be in perfect fellowship with God. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day when I can stop seeing pain in people's eyes. I'm looking forward to that day when I don't have to be concerned of a late night phone call. I'm looking forward to that day when I'm no longer fighting my sin. I'm looking forward to that day when my grandmother's mind will be made new. Father God, I pray that you are doing a work within this room this morning. We are thankful for your grace. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve your mercy. But God, I am so thankful that there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. That if we would just turn to you and put our hope in you, that you would make us new creations. It's by faith alone, by grace alone. Help us. Pray that you're doing a work within the people this morning. Ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.